Hi, I'm Charlie Whitworth, and this is SEO in 2024, Additional Insights. Charlie, what's your additional insight for SEO in 2024? So my additional insight is around how to tackle keyword cannibalization um, and how that can help you to combat Google's updates, particularly the most recent ones. Okay, um, so keyword cannibalization and the Nate's um, notes that you sent uh, through to me, you were just talking about cannibalization. I was going, um, what specific aspect of cannibalization? So it's keywords you want to focus on. So yeah, it, it, it's keyword cannibalization. The, the terminology, you know, has become quite broad recently. It, essentially, it's around search intent, having too much content on the same subject, on the same keywords, and, and the benefit that can have in terms of overall optimization, obviously not having keywords and having content compete with each other essentially on, on your site. Right. Okay. And um, how do you establish if you've got too many pages in a particular topic? So I think, as I've mentioned, a few, a few recent talks I've done on this, it, it stems from, you know, this kind of content is king or queen philosophy that's emerged, you know, that's been around for, for a long time now since, since Panda, which is created a bit of an oversaturation of content that SEOs have created by essentially creating too much content on the same topic. So. Um, the best way to establish it, obviously, is, is in your data, is in your search console data, um, analytics data. And if, if you can quite clearly see that a site has created tons of content on the same subject, usually in, in a bid to try and rank well for that keyword, it's actually counterproductive now because you end up with lots of content fighting each other for that, for that same terminology. So yeah, search console is the best way to establish that. Although there are some pretty cool tools out there now, AI powered ones that can help, can help establish that as well. Feel free to mention a few of those if you want. Yeah, so Keyword Insights is, is, a, is the one I mention a lot in my talk. Uh, I talk about these guys quite a lot. I, I love the tool that, that the UI is great, the, the AI is great, and, and I find it's really quick and easy to establish things and actually to, to, to get implementable reports. But obviously, you feed your Search Console and your, and your keyword data into the tool and it, and it uses AI to, to see what Google's indexing to, and to help you cluster your keywords so you can work out what you need to keep what your keyword gaps are and essentially you know, what, what is the extent of, of your cannibalization. So that's a, that's a really good one. And, you know, essentially to complement the manual work that you do yourself within your, your data and your analytic tools. Yeah, I was going to talk about manual work as well. It's important, I guess, even though on the face of it, the AI results seem superb just to establish that it's relevant for you and your business and that it's not missing any opportunities out, then you have to do that manual review. Absolutely. I think I think we'll all agree now that letting AI do the work and with no QA, no QC, and just kind of implementing the, whatever that AI tool spits out, it would be extremely dangerous. I think that the, the good thing about the keyword insights is you feed in your analysis and it clusters that for you. So, and it essentially saves you, you know, hundreds of hours that we'd have to spend sifting through, through tons of data and keywords, but it, it does it at the click of a button and based on what Google is currently returning in, in the SERPs. So it's not like, oh, we think these keywords might be related. It's actually right. Well, Google is actually is actually associating these keywords. Therefore, you might want to class them as a as a cluster, or, or uh, for instance. So, but it's all fed by your initial keyword research and and, and your manual SEO work. So, certainly, it doesn't replace the SEO intuition side or the manual work. It just saves you a lot of time in in clustering clustering that data. So, for an SEO that hasn't used this. Keyword Insights tool. Um, essentially, the best way of getting started is doing keyword research in another tool and then taking this data and putting it into Keyword Insights? Yeah, so they have actually recently, Richard, in the last few weeks, released an update whereby you can do your keyword research within their platform. 
it's not that necessarily they're saying you should do that because theirs is better. It's because they like create an environment where you don't need to have to leave their suite. You know, you don't have to go off to different tools. It essentially does the keyword research in a, in a similar way to keyword planner or SEM or whatever your other tool is. But yeah, the, the functionality is still very much there. And that's still the way I do it. That you just, you upload a CSV of your own keyword research into the tool. And then it lets the AI do its thing and, and cluster it all and give you your, your reports that you need to create your content strategy. So do you have to pre-categorize the keywords that you're putting in or is this done automatically? So I, I always do anyway. I just do that as a point anyway, just because in my other tools, it helps with, with all sorts. Uh, but no, you don't have to at all. That's the beauty of the tool. It will take the keywords. It will see what Google's returning for those terms and cluster them accordingly. So instead of keyword categories, it's, it's more these clusters based on search intent and Google's results. Okay, based on search intent, Google results, is it also based on keyword volume as well? Yeah, that's the two, the two fields you need in your CSV are a keyword and volume, then, and the tool will do the, and tool will do the rest. Superb. Okay. And obviously in relation to cannibalization, maybe using an e-commerce site as an example, quite yeah. often you maybe get a category page or a product page that happens to be, um, ranking or ranking more than maybe a, another target landing page that you've got. So you've got, if you've got other pages in your site that you have to have, um, should you attempt to maybe de-optimize those pages to, to rank the other page? Yeah, exactly that. It does have, that's part, part, part of the uh, presentation I recently did at Brighton is a lot of this cannibalization is caused by what I refer to in my presentation as PDP versus PLP, which is, you know, people that work in the e-com world, we're familiar with that, which is product description page versus product landing page, which is whereby it's very easy to, to go really aggressively on your keywords on your product pages. I've had clients do it because they've been told to, you know, work your keywords into your copy, or it can be just quite easy to do naturally. And before you know it, your product page has got more mentions of that, of that keyword than the category page. So the de-optimization of the product pages for the head term can often be a really prudent thing to do. And that's where the review system aspect comes in that I, that I mentioned is, you know, your product pages, of course, you know, it's going to be natural that they'll, they'll contain keywords. That's fine. And actually, you know, if your product page is ranking well for your keyword, we're not going to, we're not going to dismiss that. However, you ideally would want your category pages to rank for your head terms and your product pages to lap, to rank for the longer tail stuff in terms of optimization. Yeah, de-optimizing those product pages for the keywords a bit and optimizing those product pages for the review system stuff, you know, through your product review update guidelines and specifications, dimensions, comparisons, that kind of product related stuff that the Google rewards and has done through the recent updates as well. There used to be such a thing as, as double listings and you, you could actually look to optimize multiple pages and hope to actually get multiple listings. Is that not so prominent anymore? No, I, I've, I tried to find some examples of that for my recent talk and I could, just couldn't find any. And then Google had the kind of indented ones as well for a while. And Lily Ray did some really good analysis on that. Even that I'm seeing, I don't, I'm not sure if that was a test that, that the Google then kind of abandoned a little bit. I've, I've, I've seen very you know, small evidence of that. And, you know, even sites like Amazon and eBay now you're seeing that they're, you know, that they're not even getting double listings as much as, as much as they were. So. I'm not sure if that's an effort by Google to keep things clean and tidy or, or, you know, um, it's just the fact that that's the way that the, the, the kind of helpful content update and the product review update has, has ended up, has ended up returning things. But yeah, it's very, very small evidence of that now, which is why it's very important to have 
make sure that you're not, you haven't got competing content. Because if you're only going to get one URL that's considered for a term, you need to make sure that obviously it's optimized accordingly for that, for that specific search intent, isn't it? Which is the key thing there. And I think you were mentioning use Search Console as a way to determine if you've got multiple URLs competing for the same term. Yeah, so that will tell you. I mean, it's a really quick and easy way to, I mean, say quick and easy. It's quick and easy to do on a per keyword. I mean, if you're doing an audit across the site for your cannibalization, it will take you quite a while. But obviously the quickest way to see how many landing pages you've got ranking for a query is in Search Console report and for, you know, for big e-com sites. One thing I do mention in my talk and, and actually is, but, you know, some level of cannibalization is fine. You know, if you've got a site and you're ranking first and second or second and third for a term, then that cannibalization isn't necessarily hurting you. Although we're saying that that's quite rare now, but you know, you're going to go into search console, you're going to click on queries and landing pages. You are going to see ultimately a few pages there because there'll be a bit of flux. Um, it could have been that some of the content's newer, could be that some of the content's been, been revised and there was a little bit of flux during updates, but you are going to see a few, you know, several landing pages there. But I'd say if you could see two or maybe three there with quite considerable traffic and there's been quite a lot of fluctuation, could be that Google's been struggling to work out which one it should rank for that term. And if they are, then, you know, that's, that's, there's a definite case there for consolidation. And sticking with e-commerce as an example, quite often maybe using the fashion industry as an example, uh, traditionally you've got um, male and, and, and female sections and you've got branded items that may be covered across both male and female. If, if that's the case, um, what are your thoughts on dealing with cannibalization issues there? So I think, you know, I think Google's got more and more sophisticated at working out um, things like that in terms of, of, of that uh, content intent. I think I certainly wouldn't advocate having to write reams and reams of content talking about male versus female for, for those instances. But I think if you've got your, your simple things like your title tags, your headers and, and the content specific enough, then, and, and again, on a product level, you should be fine anyway. But yeah, I think as long as you've got your kind of SEO basics in order there, then, then in my experience, I mean, I was at Misguided quite a long time. Um, and then we released the, the male brand. We didn't see too, too much issue there as long as you had your SEO basics in order, really. And, and, you know, not loads and loads of content, but enough content there to, I trust Google with that a little bit, I'd say. <laughs> trust Google. Yeah, that's a good teacher as well. <laughs> um, you mentioned that word intent a couple of times as well. Uh, yeah. how, how do you, I, I assume that you go about maybe bucketing certain keywords and, um, and uh, all similar intent, um, similar kind of phrase, you're targeting them all on a particular page. Um, and if you're determining a, a different intent, so it's, it's for, for a different page. So how do you go about determining the specific intents that you have in mind for, for that page? So th this is what there is a mix between manual auditing and common sense, also looking at the result for that page. And, and you can quite quickly see there if it's informational, transactional, commercial. There are obviously quite a few tools out now that, that out there now that have intent in there. The, the issue we've got that, with that now is all the tools are using slightly different terminology. So like Systrix will use do and what and why. And then uh, I use advanced word ramp ranking for my keyword rankings and their, their intent uh, features is pretty good. And that's the terminology I go for. And actually it will show you dependent on the last keyword call if that intent has changed, which is obviously crucial because Google will change the intent behind the keyword. Sometimes they'll, they'll have an informational result for a term. And, and you might see a following month, actually, they switch it to commercial or vice versa. So that's key. But so the tools do definitely help there. The thing, obviously, with that is that you're going to have a few different tools all using slightly different 
terminology, but I think for your your vanity or your head terms, I think keep an eye on things manually. You know, every SEO is checking their checking the results for all their kind of head head terms anyway. But yeah, the the tools out there do do help in terms of that change in intent. So you can quite quickly see how right has the intent behind that term changed, especially after updates and things where you'll tend to see after a, a core update that in the, what Google's, I think the intent behind a Google, term has changed quite a bit in Google's eyes. You also talk about utilizing the review system. What do you, what do you mean by that? So, yes, yeah, so that's what was historically the product review system, which is still exists, but they've broadened it now to be the general review system, which is essentially in, in terms of the work that I do is what I use as my criteria for optimizing product pages or, or PDBs or whatever you'd like to call them. But essentially it's one of the few things out there where Google literally gives you like a, a, a kind of checklist of things to do and they'll reward you provided you've got your, you know, your technical elements and, and, and site health in check. But that's essentially, yeah, uh, making sure you take advantage of the product review updates, which I think there's a couple of those a year at the moment. We tend to do quite well out of them by using that criteria, putting good content briefs together and then working with the client in terms of, right, how, let's use some of your expertise here to really show that this product, yeah, is the best, why it's the best. Can be quite useful for, for sites that sell other people's products as well, because it's about, you know, can you compare products, for instance, or what makes this new product better than this predecessor and things. So. Yeah, the product review update really is essentially what that review system's about. They've just added a few more experience related things to that. So you've shared what SEO should be doing in 2024. Now let's talk about what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEO shouldn't be doing in 2024? Well, I'll keep it on on theme really. And it's just this kind of content for content sake. I think, I, I think, we won't really talk, talk about chat GPT too much because that's not what this podcast's about. I think there's going to be a huge saturation again on top of the saturation I've already explained of, of poor content. I think content strategy needs to become more focused. Um, less is more um, strategy, which, you know, good SEOs have been, have been having, have had that approach for quite a while. But I think now, now especially with how sophisticated the algorithm is with the kind of flux and the, the winners and the losers we've seen of recent updates, um, I think this obsession with having to create create content for content sake and have X amount of articles a month on certain topics and keywords is over. Let's get strategic and focused. And sometimes it's fine to be like, right, we're happy with the amount of content we've got on the site now for this, you know, and actually maybe let's focus our effort elsewhere. So yeah, that's less time on, on, um, saturating the web, we get more and more kind of, um, substandard content and, and, and being a bit more strategic about that. And yeah, hopefully using some of the themes that I've discussed there to, to help Google really. So by getting your content more focused, do you mean simply being very defined in your niche in which you operate as a, as a website, as a business, um, and then strategizing out the, the, the content that relates to that and only focusing on, on that particular type of content? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, that, that search intent thing is key. You know, if, if I, I, I strongly believe that if you have written your content well, worked with the client, it's been well informed in terms of research and SEO and, and, and technically structured nicely and you're, you're happy with that, then if you've got a good commercial page, some nice supporting articles, some nice guides, you know, then that is probably enough. And I think there's still this obsession, like what, what, what more can we do to boost this keyword cluster or theme? It might, content may not be the answer to that, you know, even if you've got your technical elements in, in, um, and it's sometimes it's, it, it's fine just to. SEO may not be the answer. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, 
I, sometimes you, everything could be fine and it's like sometimes you, it's a hard conversation to have with the client but it's a case of letting google get to come to term, you know get scripts for that content and on and honor it and process it properly and the more you keep refining and changing and because you're getting itchy feet you know you could be changing something that actually would have worked you know so you know the patient's game in a way but you know trusting trusting your strategy really and if you if, if you're confident that the technical the creative and the data analysis aspects of your content creation is, is in check, then yeah, less is more essentially sometimes. Charlie Whitworth is founder at Whitworth SEO and you can find him over at whitworthseo.com. Charlie, thanks so much for adding your additional insight to SEO in 2024. Cheers, David. I've been your host, David Bain. You've been listening to an episode of SEO in 2024, Additional Insights, a majestic series that complements the original SEO in 2024 podcast, video series and book. Find out more at seoin2024.com.